$5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check out the show all the time at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet, at Mike Silva Media, and you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. 
Hope everybody's doing well. This is a live edition of the podcast, and we already have a, a couple of individuals on the line, and I'm going to get to them in just a minute, but we'll set everything up right now. Uh, so essentially what I'm going to do is I'm going to do my podcast like I normally do for the hour between 7 and 8. And if you choose to call in and want to participate in the conversation, the number is 646-716-8187. It's the Winter Meetings Las Vegas edition of the program, hence the whole Viva Las Vegas opening. And, you know, I've used some splicing of that into stingers coming back from commercial and things like that. Just trying to spruce it up over here. Now, look, all I'm going to ask is you want to debate, you want to have fun, you want to come after me. I really don't care. It's all in good uh, sport here. We're talking about baseball. Try not to ruin it for everybody else. There are people listening. Some of them may have kids listening. Try not to curse. Try to, you know, look, just just be mature. That's all I'm asking. I'm going to scrub it out after anyway. I know in the past we had a couple of times where we had an issue. Uh, it is what it is. And, um, you know, I, I, just be appropriate. That's all I'm asking. So hopefully we can have that. If you want to tweet at me and issue a question, fine. Uh, so be it. Uh, and away we go. I will be just before we get to the phone line. One last thing: I will be doing a couple of these shows during the week. So, uh, call-in show setting up the winter meetings today. And uh, Michael Mayer of MetsmerizedOnline.com, who is actually out in Vegas. I think he'll be landing in the next couple hours. We'll be covering the meetings for the MetsmerizedOnline.com crew. He'll be coming on with me uh, Tuesday night. That won't be live. That'll be a recorded segment, probably very late into the night, as there's a three-hour time difference. And then Thursday, I'll do another show uh, wrapping up the meetings. I'm not sure if that'll be a live one. We'll see how the calls go here, and we'll see how uh, everybody feels about it. So uh, before I get into any kind of intro or anything, let's uh, pop right on the phone lines. Let's hear what the fans have to say, and uh, and then I can get to what I want to talk about. So uh, we're going to get it going. Uh, let's start off. Now, here's how it goes. going to give your area code and the first three digits of your phone number. Give me your name, and then you have at it. So... 801 is the first area code. 801-836 is the phone number. You're on the Talking Mets podcast with Mike Silva. What's your name? Where you're from? How you doing? Hey, man. My name is Gandhi. I'm actually uh, from just south of Salt Lake City, but calling you from Cincinnati tonight. Oh, well, thanks for calling in. What brings you to a Talking Mets podcast show? Well, I, you know what? I, I love the off-season, and I absolutely love the winter meetings. I love the entire you know, the fact that all the GMs and owners are there and they're, you know, trying to make these deals. I, I've i been waiting uh, for this offseason for a long time for the New York Mets, and I really hope that uh, that Brody can get the things done that we need to get done. I don't think we're that far away from where we need to be, but there's a couple things I'm hoping for. Well, what would you like to see Brody Van Wagen come back with from the uh, the slot machines in Vegas? Well, first thing uh, I think to start with is I do not want Syndergaard traded. And I, you know, I, I've heard people talking about trading Syndergaard for prospects and moving prospects and a deal for Corey Kluber, which makes absolutely no sense to anybody. Um, I want the, the starting pitching staff, you know, within reason, the top four at least. I mean, maybe if you're going to trade anybody, Matt's, but how much value does he really have? But, you know, I'd like to see the big three stay. We've added some bullpen pieces. If we can get an Andrew Miller or somebody else like an Ottavino in there, uh, we would have a lockdown bullpen and a lockdown rotation. And let's face it, I mean, anybody that watched Jacob deGrom last year and watched the complete lack of run support realizes that the offense needed to be overhauled. And so 
He had a couple bullpen pieces and a couple pieces to the team, not depending on Cespedes to come back, obviously, till mid-year. Um, I think, though, that this could be a big, big offseason for us. I, you know, I don't know if McCutcheon's the answer or Pollock's the answer, but, I'm, you know, we definitely need to get a little bit more right-handed, and I'd love to see uh, Grandall get signed from the catcher position. That's a, that's a great way to start off the show. You know, uh, I agree. Thanks for the call, by the way. I agree with a lot of that. Um, you know, I, I'll get into Pollock. I'll get into Syndergaard. I, I've said all along you don't trade Syndergaard. And if you get Kluber, you're getting an older, maybe one that has a little bit more of a track record of health in terms of an elite pitcher. But the only way to pull that off is you'd have to trade Syndergaard for prospects and flip those prospects for Kluber a very complicated three-way trade. Uh, Grandel, as far as the catcher, uh, I'm more into uh, Martin Maldonado, uh, less of an offensive impact, a little bit more cost-efficient. Uh, I like the defense there. And as far as the bullpen, yeah, Andrew Miller, I think you're going to see the Mets go after a lefty. Van Wagenen had talked about it on his interview with uh, Mike Francesa, really accentuating the need for another lefty with Zamora. Uh, Miller would do that. Uh, you know, maybe the connection to uh, Mickey Calloway would help. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of competition for him. And, and then uh, as far as a righty bat, yeah, there's Pollock. Uh, I don't know about Andrew McCutcheon. I don't know if you – I mean, really the only true center fielder you have in the market is A.J. Pollock. And later on, I think I'm going to get into a little bit, uh, is A.J. Pollock that big of an upgrade over Juan Lagares? Because it's a little bit closer, as I examined it, than uh, you may think. So – uh, I, I think that's a good way to start. I think that's essentially the plan that the Mets have. Uh, so you're really on board with it. And, uh, you know, I, I do believe the Mets are going to come away with something here. And what I like is that they have an aggressive general manager, a general manager that's trying to uh, find ways to make things happen, uh, you know, a little bit more aggressive into the marketplace than maybe his predecessor, Sandy Alderson, who uh, was very methodical and that was his style. A, B, C, D, and, uh, you know, maybe in this modern baseball world, Sandy was in the cash lane while everybody else was uh, driving an easy pass lane. So, anyway, let's go back to the phone lines. Uh, 631, uh, Long Island area code 252. 631, 252, you're on the air with Mike Silva. What's your name, um, and uh, what's going on with you? Hi, my name is Jeff, and I've been a big Mets fan for since, like, 1967, and um, I kind of feel that with the deal that was made, uh, I, I kind of felt they kind of overpaid to get that relief pitcher. I don't like, as a rule, I like the way Frank Cashin operated years ago. When you have the foundation of a farm system and then you're able to trade and you still have strength in there. And their farm system had been lacking for a period of time. And one of their goals was to become younger and more athletic. And with Robinson Cano playing second base, there goes your youth and athleticism. You know, I mean, Jeff McNeil had done a fine job, you know, and uh, I really felt that the appropriate move in addition to getting a catcher this particular year was to perhaps get a right-handed hitting outfielder. And I'm not very confident of Cespedes really coming back and being the efficient player he had been. That's just how my take on it is. Uh, thanks for the call. That's uh, that's pretty fair. L let me say this. Yeah, the the Mets talked about getting younger, more athletic. I always laugh because sometimes younger, more athletic doesn't necessarily mean they can play baseball. They're any better. 
I think Jeff McNeil, it's clear after listening. And, and if you didn't listen to Francesa with Van Wagenen and Mickey Calloway um, and Jeff Wilpon, I think you should. Because although the interview probably went 20 minutes longer than it should have, uh, I think that they were pretty candid. I thought a lot came out of it. I don't think there was a lot of spin. I think Van Wagenen was pretty honest about what they could and couldn't do. But one of the things they talked about was Jeff McNeil and how important McNeil is for um, for them and their opinion uh, to this team. And and McNeil was actually on WFAN a week earlier, right after Thanksgiving. And he he said to Francesa how he could basically play every position. It sounds like he's he's very comfortable in the outfield. He, he can play uh, second and third. Uh, he didn't even uh, dismiss first base or shortstop. And if you have a guy who hits lefty, I mean, can McNeil play a decent first base and, and spell a Pete Alonso against a tough righty? You know, then you got something. I mean, you got a guy who could move around the infield, spell Cano, spell Frazier. A little bit harder to see him spell a Nimmo or a Conforto right now because he's lefty, and, and I think you'd need a righty bat, as uh, the caller had mentioned, that uh, you want somebody out there. And, and I think that Ligaris may be that piece if they wound up bringing in a center fielder like a Pollock. Maybe he's a fourth outfielder and he could spell a little bit of those guys. I mean, slide into a corner potentially. I know that's always dangerous, putting a center fielder in the corner, as you saw with Mike Cameron and Carlos Beltran many years ago. Uh, but, you know, I don't think Jeff McNeil is all of a sudden going to be persona non grata. I think he has to earn a spot on the roster. I think everybody needs to earn for a certain degree a spot on the roster. That's not guaranteed. And if you come in and you're a super sub or somebody that can effectively play multiple positions, I don't see why you can't get 350, you know, 400 plate appearances, maybe more. There was a player by the name of Mark DeRosa a few years back that used to kind of play that role, uh, you know, in, in a couple of different places. And uh, there's a lot of value to that. And and I don't think it's not just a situation where you could say, look at Marwan Gonzalez. There's another guy who plays a ton of positions. Um, and I don't see how he plays. I, I don't know how he plays all those positions. But, uh, you know, certainly there's value to someone like that. I mean, a, a DeRosa at times, uh, you know, would get 345, 400 at-bats. I'm looking at it now playing, you know, four or five positions. And, uh, you know, eventually he was uh, probably pretty much considered a starter at some point with some of the teams he played for in San Francisco and Chicago. So, you know, that's certainly something we can look for. So let's go back to the phone lines here. Um, next up looks like New Jersey. We got a 732 number, 228, uh, 732 228, what's your name? You're on the air with Mike Silva. Timothy, Jackson, New Jersey. Hi, Timothy. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, I have a question. On the Giants will, uh, the Mets will trade, 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 uh, Jacob DeGrom, Brendan Immel, Amin Rosario, and prospect Ali Sanchez to the Marlins for JT Realmuto and prospect Edward Cabrera and Thomas Jones and trade Jason Vargas, Dominic, Dominic Smith, and prospect Luis Cabrera to the Dodgers for Yasiel Puig and pitching prospect Dustin May. Okay. That says it. I think those are two horrible deals. <laughs> to be frank with you, I don't want Yasiel Puig. Uh, bad attitude. Never saw the, uh, the uh, entire, uh, you know, Inclination for people to like uh, Yasiel Puig, so I don't like that. As far as trading uh, half the team for JT Realmuto, I'll get into that. The number is 646-716-8187. Again, 
716-818-7187. Love to hear from you live podcast here, Talking Mets podcast. We're going to take a quick break. When I return, I'm going to kick it off by talking to you about JT Real Muto. And right now, all the deals that I'm hearing about JT Real Muto, I think the Mets are taking it on the chin. Not sure the Mets should overpay for the catcher that everybody's talking about. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more right after this. Hey, Mets fans. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now. That's Mets, M-E-R-I-Z-E-D, online.com, and get Metsmerized today. We're back, Talking Mets Podcast here, live, calling show, podcast, basically I talk and do my podcast for an hour, if you want to participate and call in, the number is 646-716-8187, tweet at me, at Mike Silva Media, I'm going to try to keep an eye on the comment section as well on the show thread, but the number is 646-716-8187, love to hear from you, so uh, you heard in the last caller an absurd trade, uh, and I won't even get into it, for uh, JT Real Muto. And over the last couple of weeks, and I talked about this at the beginning of the offseason, I did a podcast about you know JT Real Muto. It's just, to me, a total, total, total overpay, anything you hear. As soon as you trade, forget Rosario, because that's a, a little bit of a different conversation. As soon as you trade Michael Conforto or Brandon Nemo, for JT Real Muto, you immediately give up the better offensive player in the deal. And I understand that everybody in Real Muto had a, a career year. He's emerging as an offensive force at a premium position. I know some of the defensive metrics are all over the map in terms of his framing and his, you know, he definitely has a good arm. There's no doubt about that. Uh, defensively, he comes across extremely solid from what I've seen of him in the times the Mets play the Marlins. So you definitely have yourself a catch-and-throw guy with a bat who could hit, and, and you could even play a little first base on the days where you want to give him a rest, give his legs a rest. With that said, uh, you know the fact that you even have to have reporters put out there, the Mets won't do Conforto and Nimmo for Real Muto. I mean, the minute the Mets give up uh, anything in terms of Nimmo or uh, Conforto, that's more than what the, uh, the Marlins got for John Carl Stanton. I understand that's a different situation, salary dump, what have you. Immediately the Marlins are taking a, a, a steal of a deal. They should sign for that yesterday. Forget the position. Now, Rosario is a different story because it sounds like the Mets are more inclined to keep Rosario than Nimmo in the deal. And I don't quite understand that. I understand the fact that Rosario plays a premium position, and they're high on Rosario. And he had 
really, he was very good on the road last year. He was horrible at City Field. I mean, he hit over 300 on the road. He, he played much better down the stretch. Uh, it sounds like he played pretty well in Japan with the American All-Star team. So there's some hope there. The thing about Rosario that bothered me is that defensively, he still showed poor instincts out there. I thought his range was iffy. I know the defensive metrics aren't horrible, but I, I got to tell you from the eye test, there were plenty of uh, balls that I saw that I was like, you know, a good, a, a shortstop with his speed who has the proper instincts for the position should have got to that. Uh, and maybe I'm comparing him to Reyes, and that's unfair. Reyes in his heyday. I felt he would have you know, gotten to a lot of those balls, and, and Reyes I thought was a pretty good defensive shortstop. Maybe a tad bit overrated uh, from a, a Mets fan's eyes as you look back, not expecting Ray Ardonias, but if Rosario is the guy that needs to go back, I'm much more open to that. Here's the thing. Brandon Nimmo was a top 25 offensive player. Well, I shouldn't say offensive player. Uh, win share player in all of baseball, not the National League, not when you just break down outfielders in all of baseball. It's better in terms of win share than JT Real Muto. Actually, it was better than John Carl Stanton. Remember the joke that uh, Sandy Alderson made about why do I need John, Can- John Carl Stanton when I have Brandon Nimmo? He's a guy that gets on base. He's a guy that even when he doesn't hit has a lot of value. Uh, he's shown uh, a-, a penchant for some speed. He's got energy. I think he's improving in the outfield. I don't know if he can play center field every day. But I wouldn't be so quick if I were the Mets to give up Nimmo. Right now, your better play here at catcher is to go out and sign a Martin Maldonado. Um, I, you know, the first caller talked in, and it meant he has Monty Grandel. I think that'll be a little bit more expensive. Uh, I like a catch-and-throw guy. Grandel's not a bad receiver. He's got a much better bat. Uh, but I really think when you have a pitching staff like the Mets have, you've got to go for the catch-and-throw guy you got to go for the guy that can manage that pitching staff. Uh, you know, good framer. Maldonado is the guy. Now, I know when you bring in an offensive player like Maldonado, who really can't hit, uh, he's pretty poor. Uh, I don't think he's pitcher level. He'll probably pop you a home run or two. But I think you're basically getting another version, a much better version of what you had with Rene Rivera. Guy's going to pop a home run here or there. He's going to be a very weak component in the lineup. He's going to hit eighth. Uh, you're not bringing him for, for his bat. Maybe your backup has more of a bat. They've talked about Darno and the possibility that Darno can now, uh, with his athleticism, maybe play. He's already played second and third that crazy day a couple of years ago where they switched him from third to second, back to third, back to second, like 52 million times in the game. Maybe Darno's more of your offensive version behind the plate. Um, you know, they, they brought him back. I don't know what his market value is, but certainly they brought him back. And then you have Ploiecki. You're not going to carry three catchers, but if you carry Darno as the third catcher and he can play maybe two or three other positions, now he's a righty bat off the bench. There's a little bit more value to that. There's versatility, and that falls into what teams are looking for, players on the bench that can play multiple positions. And personally, if I'm Darno, coming off the Tommy John surgery, uh, he's never been known as a good game caller, so I don't know if he totally – is married to the catching position. His bat's not great, but it's not bad. I think as a backup and having the ability to play third, first, maybe second, maybe even the outfield. Again, don't want to throw guys at the positions where they can't play, but if you're skilled enough and athletic enough, you should be able to, as a big league player, play some of these positions. Now you could handle keeping Darno and Ploiecki 
Now you've got three catchers per se. And if you got a hit for Maldonado late in a ball game, one of those other guys can. Because both of those guys, Plucky and Darno, are probably better with the stick than Maldonado. If you get Riamoto and you trade Rosario, and that's the only of the three, that's the only player I'd be open to trading, and I'd be careful about trading Rosario, but I don't think you can bring in a real Muto realistically without giving up a Nimmo or a Rosario. I don't think they want Conforto. I think that's more media throwing that in there. I don't see how Conforto fits. Uh, personally, I think Rosario fits the best because he's been in the league. I guess he's been in the league a similar amount of time to Nimmo. Um, you know, at the end of the day, by the time the Marlins get good, I don't even know if Nimmo or Rosario will be part of it. They may very well trade them and flip them as well. Who knows? But I would definitely think about Rosario headlining it, and then after that would be prospects. I don't know if that would be enough. And it sounds like the Marlins really want the Mets to feel some pain if they're going to trade Real Muto within the division. I don't know if Jeter, which I don't think is as involved as everybody makes out to be, really cares if the Mets, maybe that plays a little into it. But, you know, certainly in my opinion, uh, that's the only guy of the three that I'd think about giving up. I wouldn't give up on Conforto. I don't think the Marlins would want him. Forget Nemo. That's a top. That's a guy that really could impact an offense. He's, a, he's, he's the Mets leadoff hitter. That's the guy you put at the top of the lineup because he's always getting on base, whether it's by a walk, hits batsman. He's showing power. He's got triple, you know, he's hitting triples all over the yard. I mean, he's giving you everything that you want. So if you do wind up trading or able to get Rosario for Real Muto, I would consider that deal. Then what do you do? Because the next thing you're going to say is, well, Mike, who's going to play shortstop? Well, I looked at this today, and you may, in the short term, I mean, certainly Rosario in the long term may be a better player, but Jose Iglesias of the Tigers is a free agent, 29 years old, an elite defensive shortstop, really offensively from... At this point in his career, probably not much different than Rosario. At this point, Rosario, again, is young and improving. I mean, Iglesias is essentially is who he is. But that now that situation, you got Rio Moto behind the plates. So you've beefed up offensively. You've got a defensive player who may not be as good as Maldonado, but is in that same class. You've got Iglesias at short who is negligible, I think, from a 2018 Rosario bat, but high-level uh, defense at an important position. So even if Cano has a drop-off defensively, now you've got Iglesias. So that, to me, is now you're talking. Now you're talking about that. So that's the only scenario, in my opinion, where I would say, hey, you know, go out and get Real Muto. All these other deals are crazy. Now, if you, and I'm talking, I wouldn't give up Alonzo either. I wouldn't. I mean, maybe that you'd have to really think about because Alonzo's giving you something that still, even in this crazy game that we're in today with launch angles and everything, just three, four years ago, power was the thing that was starting to go away. Before the launch angle craze, you know, guys like Justin Upton and, and, and even Lucas Duda, they were guys you were holding on to because – 30 home run power, you saw the, the home runs drop off, and you know there was talk about because of enhanced testing. You know It was all different things. It's all, things all run in cycles. And you, when you had power, you had to hold on to that, that player. And that's why you saw guys like C.J. Crone and, and Chris Cotter, you know, guys who were all power guys, really didn't hit much, really sticking on big league rosters 
and getting some decent salaries. Now everybody's hitting home runs. It's become like the three-point shot, and things have changed. But regardless, I think Alonzo is a guy who right-handed power, a team that, as a caller mentioned earlier, may not see Cespedes all year. Uh, Cespedes is like a gift. Cespedes, the Mets have to build this team with the fact that if Cespedes comes back, that's a complete gift. Uh, and maybe it's a gift in the sense like they got in 2015 when he came to the team in, on August 1st and helped them out for the final eight weeks of the season. That kind of gift, a trade deadline gift. So I wouldn't give up uh, Alonzo. I'd be open to it, you know, depending on the deal. I mean, maybe you try to uh, headline something with Jimenez and a couple of the young pitchers. I just don't think it'd be enough. You'd really be depleting the farm system. But it's clear that Brody Van Wagenen wants to go with it, uh, go for it. Uh, they brought in a bunch of these guys from the Red Sox executives, and I'm sure they're going to work hard on building the farm system and using whatever processes they put in place in Boston to build up the farm system the way they see fit. Maybe they don't think very highly of where the farm system is. I mean, it's still, even before the Kelnick trade, was probably, uh, in most eyes at best, heading into top 10 and, and the bottom of the top 10, maybe top 15 status. There's a lot of guys down in the lower minors that Kelnick was one of them before he was traded uh, that are highly regarded. But, you know, that, you know, that's still a long ways away. So, you know, Jimenez, to me, and, and the young pitchers like a Peterson and a Kay, uh, Alonzo, those are the guys that have the most immediate near impact. So uh, that's the best I would do. And that's a very interesting scenario, signing Iglesias, trading Rosario for Real Muto. I would be fine with that. Again, I, I feel like uh, Rosario still is missing something when it comes to the shortstop position. Instincts, you know, headiness. Uh, I'm sure the bat will continue to get better, but uh, I just – he got better – but I saw a player who I, I feel is always going to drive you crazy because it's always going to be about skills and talent, less about putting that together to be a complete baseball player. I could be wrong. That's just something. So at the end of the day, the real Muto rumors, total overpays. I would not trade Conforto. I would not trade Nimmo. May trade Rosario, but that would be the, the only one. And I think it was written about on MetsmorizedOnline.com. That Rosario will be the one that, that many uh, of you feel would be the best bet uh, to trade. So the number is 646-716-8187. We're halfway through on this podcast. Live Talking Mets podcast, setting up the winter meetings out in Las Vegas. And like I said earlier, uh, Michael Mayer will be joining me on Tuesday. He's down in Las Vegas. He's covering the winter meetings for MetsmorizedOnline.com. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he comes away with as he works the – the lobby over there in uh, at Mandalay Bay, a huge hotel. I've been there. I go there once a year to Mandalay Bay, so very familiar with it. And uh, we'll see what he brings back. I'll have a podcast on uh, Tuesday that won't be live, and then we'll wrap up the winter meetings with another podcast Thursday night when uh, all is said and done. And hopefully we'll have a lot to talk about. Will we do another live call? I'm not sure, but it's something that's certainly on the table. So let's take a quick break. When we return, I'll get into this whole Noah Syndergaard stuff, trading Noah Syndergaard. It's still a bad idea. It's almost a laughable idea. I'll get into Ligaris and uh, A.J. Pollock. I think you need to, we need to examine that a little bit. Uh, there's the Hall of Fame. Uh, it'll be announced. Um, the Veterans Committee is going to announce uh, who's going to be making it the Hall of Fame. I, I was looking at some of the names, and there's actually not a Met component, but if one of the players on this list gets inducted, it is good for a former Met. So I'll talk about that, and let's not forget the bullpen because I know there's some names out there 
that you guys are uh, looking at for uh, bullpen arms, and it's, it's definitely something that I think the um, the Mets are going to walk away. The Mets are going to walk away with a bullpen arm this week. I'm pretty confident about that. Who it is, that still remains to be seen. More Talking Mets podcast right after this. Hey, Mets fans. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now. That's Mets, M-E-R-I-Z-E-D, online.com, and get Metsmerized today. Viva Las Vegas! Viva Las Vegas! Viva Las Vegas with your neon flashing and your one-armed bandits crashing. All All right, we're back. Talking Mets podcast, live podcast, the number is 646-716. 8187 had some calls tonight to kick off the winter meetings. I uh, would love to hear from you guys. 646-716-8187. You could tweet at me if you want to make a comment. I could address it on the air. I'll be on the air live until 8 o'clock. And, um, you know, I'm also um, uh, looking at uh, the comments section. So uh, one of the things I normally do during these in the past when I've done these live and before the crazy days of Twitter, I would do these live shows, and there wouldn't be any Twitter. So everybody would be hanging out in a blog talk radio chat room, and I'd have all these contributors that I used to have on on the NYBaseballDigest.com site. And you know, looking back, we were pretty rough the way we did things, but it was fun. And you know, we, we had some good information and some good sources. And we had this siren that we would use if, while we were doing the nightly shows, and at that point we do nightly because it had a lot of impact without the, the world of Twitter. We hit the siren. So I'm going to hit the siren because there is some news out there. So a couple of things going on here. Uh, the Yankees, number one, uh, aren't seriously discussing JT Real Muto with the Marlins. Um, the Padres are. So that's from John Morosi. I know that um, everyone tries to get the uh, the Yankees involved in everything, uh, and everyone's going to say, well, because of Jeter, that the Marlins are going to gift Real Muto to the to the Yankees. It doesn't sound like that's going to happen. But the thing that applies to the Mets and, and applies to the siren is from uh, SNY's Andy Martino, who says the Mets have Adam Adovino and David Robertson on the list of their bullpen targets. I don't really think that that's a surprise, but if I had to take a guess, and I wasn't planning on coming back from commercial to talk about the bullpen, but that that last tweet, that bit of news on uh, MLB trade rumors uh, segues perfectly into it. I think the Mets are going to want to go and get one of the lefties. I think they're going to want to come away with Britton or Miller. And Van Wagenen said lefties important because they, though they like Zamora, they do need another lefty in the bullpen. Now, that's at the high end of the market. Britton, I think, is going to want closer money. And uh, I, I don't see him settling to 
pitch behind uh, Edgar Diaz. Uh, excuse me, Edgar, Edwin Diaz. I don't see him uh, signing up for that. I called him Edgar Diaz. I think I did that before on the last show. I don't know why I'm getting that uh, mixed up. Now, the other guy is Miller, and I, I think he's more realistic. He's 34. He's coming off some injuries. Uh, he really only had one good month last year. Uh, I'm assuming that he's healthy. I think it was a knee issue that he had. So maybe that's something that is, uh, I mean, they clearly in a physical could, could come away with what's going on with him. But he may only get a one-year deal. He might be a good short-term option. Knows Callaway. He's certainly been an elite reliever. That would be the guy to go after. Now, if those guys wind up getting big money, and it's possible, then you go down the list. You know, you have a Xavier Cedeno, who is non-tendered by the White Sox, who certainly get lefties. You go back to Jerry Blevins. Although I really didn't like Blevins last year. I think the organization may have soured it on, on him a little bit. Uh, there's also Justin Wilson. So you could go to other guys that are uh, the next notch below. I think if you really want to shop top uh, shelf, Miller's the guy. Uh, do I think they would sign Miller and then be able to bring in a Robertson or Adovino? No. I, I think Robertson, and I, I wonder if the Yankees, what they think of Robertson. Because he's got some miles on him. He's in his 30s. They've seen him now twice. I know he wants to pitch in, in the Northeast, so basically you got the Mets, the Yankees, the Red Sox. Knowing that he wants to stay here close to home, you may be able to get him on a more reasonable deal. I always like to keep the relievers to a two-year deal. I'm not sure Robertson at this point uh, can get more than that. I don't know if Miller could get more than that. Now, Adovino, he had a big year. I don't think he could get more than that either. Um, you know, I think you go out there, and it's similar to what Sandy Alderson did last year, except he came away with Swarzak. You uh, you go out there and you try to put out what you want to pay for that position and see which one of these guys will take the money. That's how you would go. Preferably, I'd like Miller. In a perfect world, you say, who do you want to come away with? You want to come up one lefty, one righty. I'd love to come away with Andrew Miller and David Robertson because then you got Miller on from the left. You got Zamora as your second lefty. You got Robertson who could back up uh, Sugar Diaz uh, closing. You got yourself a damn good bullpen at that point. And then you got some of the young guys like Drew Smith, Handhold, guys like that, that, you know, and you could play around, you know, Seawold. You could play around with now four, five, six, seven in that bullpen and see which one of the guys that you have in your system, Tyler Batchelor, who can, who can be the guy that, you know, now your sixth or seventh inning guy, that lower leverage, who, which one of those guys could be that. And you don't need to sign a free agent for every bullpen arm. And I like Zamora. He's a one-trick pony with that pitch. But if you're just brought in to get lefties out, um, you know, he can be pretty effective uh, from that. So uh, that's the news. If we get any more breaking news, I doubt it, between now and, and 8 o'clock in the next 20 minutes or so, I'll hit the alarm again and, and see. But I, I figured Rio Muto we had just talked about. And, uh, you know, then we go out and uh, we see that, the, you know, the, the Yankees mentioned at uh, this point. Uh, again, uh, MetsmerizedOnline.com is at the Winter Meetings. Uh, Michael Mayer is going to be there. He'll be coming on with me on Tuesday, and we'll be having that, uh, you know, some of that uh, dialogue back and forth on a podcast. That won't be live, but we'll get to see. And by that time, who knows what the hell is going to be going on out in Vegas? So we'll see. Um, check in the comments section. You can send me a, a tweet at Mike Silver Media, and of course, if you want to give me a call, the number is six four six seven one six eight one eight seven. Would love to hear from you if you want to call and let me know what do you think. Uh, what do you want to see Brody Van Wagenen come away with? Uh, you know, how how do you 
see the Mets doing this week in Vegas. Love to hear some of your thoughts. Noah Syndergaard, um, it was a bad idea. It wasn't a bad idea to dangle him and see if anybody got silly and was willing to give up something for him. Never a bad idea. What's a bad idea is when the media takes that idea and and tries to do round peg in a square hole with deals for Syndergaard. When I hear the Padres giving up Austin Hedges, who is a good defensive catcher, can't hit. You can get that on the free agent market with Maldonado. He's another version of Maldonado. Margot, a defensive center fielder who can't hit, but probably not as good as Lagaris. So you already got that already. And a secondary prospect, not named Fernando Tatis Jr., who's the big prospect, the shortstop. I say to myself, you know, that's the equivalent of a guy in your fantasy league coming up to you for your stud player and offering you quantity for quality. And, you know, that's what teams who are looking to dump a player on a walkier at the deadline of the quality of Syndergaard, that's what they get back. Maybe not even that. That's not what you give up and get back for the kind of elite talent that Syndergaard is with the years of control, regardless of what the industry feels about his chances for injury. You know what? Then don't trade for him. You know, that's the whole point. Uh, I don't see a match. If the Mets are looking to get better in 2019, I don't see a match because I don't think anybody who is taking on Syndergaard, as I've said, and I said this during the Thanksgiving night podcast that I did when this rumor mill on Syndergaard started to churn and started to become a little bit more serious. Uh, I don't see how a team that's acquiring Syndergaard is in any way, shape, or form a rebuilding team and would give you anything that's going to help you in 2019. It would be prospects, unless they're major league-ready prospects in a very you know, wealthy uh, farm system team, which, you know, those teams don't tend to want to give anything up. You know, maybe Houston, if they wanted to get another arm because Lance McCullers is out. I mean, that's what I could see. I, I think in, if you're concerned about Syndergaard getting dealt, don't be. I think the Mets are just dangling him out there. They're looking to see who gets stupid. Look, these four days, winter meetings, a lot could happen. I think it's not like the old days where all of a sudden our general manager could get a little – tipsy at the bar and make a silly deal. There's the old rumor that there was almost a DiMaggio, uh, was it almost a DiMaggio deal between the Red Sox and, and the Yankees back in the, in the day? You know, what was that, uh, that whole thing? Um, those things don't happen anymore. There's too many layers in the front office. There's too much professionalism. It's much more corporate now. That's not going to happen. Uh, but if, if someone comes to the Mets with a deal – that addresses multiple needs and puts them in a position where, you know, they now have the ability to go out and, and maybe sign a Gio Gonzalez, which is a rumored name that we've heard um, at the meetings uh, that the Mets might be interested in and not take too much of a downgrade on that Syndergaard spot. You know, I think they might consider doing it, but it would take a lot. When you have DeGrom and you have Syndergaard and you have Wheeler and Mats, as the caller said earlier, you have a big three plus mats, and, and I think Wheeler still has to show me that he can do it over the course of a full season. But, you know, he's got a pretty long sample size now of elite pitching. Uh, you've got to try to go and, and use that every five days and win with that. And, you know, with that rotation, it doesn't bother me having Jason Vargas as the fifth starter because even though he's a touchy-feely pitcher and is prone to a bunch of stinkers, 
Um, if you beef up the bullpen, all you really need is five innings from Vargas. And maybe you try to keep him away and you try to space out his starts against some of the teams where he'd be prone to being a bad matchup. Um, you know, I'm sure they want to upgrade from Vargas. I'm sure they want to trade Vargas and his $8 million bucks, but uh, that not, that's not going to be easy because the only way you're going to trade someone like that is if you're taking back money like you did in the Robinson Cano deal. That's why you're able to get rid of Swarzak. That's why you're able to get rid of uh, Jay Bruce. I mean, I said that at the beginning of season, and, and it happened, but you had to take back Cano. And very rarely does a player of Cano's uh, ilk become available if you're doing a salary dump, very rarely. So so not much to do about nothing. And then the Kluber stuff, just because the Mets checked in with the Indians to see about Kluber, I mean, it would be way complicated. I mean, can the Mets do a Kluber deal? I mean, I'm sure they could go again if you want to make a package around Rosario and Nimmo and, and maybe some prospects that you have left. I don't know what the Indians think of some of the Mets' lower-level prospects, the Mark Vientos, the – uh, Mauricio, guys like that. I mean, you know, you got to be careful when you start just ripping people from the farm system. Uh, would Kluber round out a rotation and make it uh, elite? It's elite now. It'd be scary with Kluber. Uh, I don't think you can. Again, I don't want to trade Nimmo. I keep going back to this. I'd be very. If I came on the air Tuesday or Thursday and Nimmo was traded, there's a highly likely chance I'm not going to like that deal. Not not 100 percent, but a high likely chance. Again, I keep going back. Look at the numbers. From a win share perspective, this is a top 25 player in baseball. He's at number 25. I understand it's one year. I know that when you look at him, he doesn't come across because he walks a lot. Maybe he's a little streaky or goofy out there in the outfield. Um, But this is a guy that right now is a valuable offensive player and a guy that at the top of the lineup – could create a lot of problems for teams as he's always on base. And guys on base are going to get you some runs. And having a guy there at the top of the lineup, that's a big deal. So anyway, let's take a quick break. When I return, Lagaris versus A.J. Pollock. Is it as big of a gap as we think? I'm not sure that it is, to tell you the truth, as I was looking at the numbers. And then to round up the show, we'll talk a little bit about the Veterans Committee in the Hall of Fame because there is a player that if he is elected, by the Veterans Committee, it bodes well from a former, for a former Met about making the Hall of Fame. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. I'm your host, Mike Silva. We'll be back with more winter meetings, uh, introductory show, call-in show, podcast, whatever you want to call it, right after this. Hey, Mets fans. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now. That's Mets, M-E-R-I-Z-E-D, online.com, and get Metsmerized today. Viva Las Vegas! Viva Las Vegas! Viva Las Vegas with your neon flashing and your one-on-band All right, we're back. Talking Mets live podcast, kicking off the 2018 winter meetings in Vegas. 
Michael Mayer of MetsmerizedOnline.com will be there. Check out MetsmerizedOnline.com throughout the week. Look, at the end of the day, you guys, if you're not on Metsmerized Online, if you're not downloading the app, if you're not paying attention, I mean, this is no disrespect to Mets Blog who, and Matt, who were the pioneers in, in independent Mets coverage uh, back in the day. That's not the case anymore. MetsmerizedOnline.com is the best place to go where they recap news, they have good commentary and opinions, and this is because my podcast is syndicated on there. It has nothing to do with that, although I think that's a good benefit too, but – I think there's a lot of talented guys there. Michael, who's down to winter meetings, is one of them, and he's got good information, and he knows the Mets system, and he knows baseball. So uh, keep uh, keep going to MetsMarizedOnline.com, download the app, do what you got to do to really um, you know interact with what really is a great community over there. And and I hope that you guys uh, uh, you know have uh, have done that. Six four six seven one six four six seven one six eight one eight seven had some. A plethora of calls at the beginning. It slowed down a little bit, but that's that's fine. You know, you want to pop in. I got a lot to talk about here. Um, let's get to AJ Pollock and Juan Lagares. If you go and you go to Baseball Reference and you basically sort since 2014 center fielders, guys who played about 90% of their games in center field, AJ Pollock is is number two during that time in terms of win shares, just to kind of, you know, give the war way behind Mike Trout is number one. With that said, a lot of his production came in that 2015 season. He's been hurt on and off for the last three years. That sounds familiar. And Juan Lagares showed a lot of promise last year in just 30 games. You start to swing the bat a little bit better. Uh, I know there's a lot of skepticism and I don't know at his age, how much better can he get? Because I know he was working with a swing coach and, I don't necessarily think that Juan Lagares is going to be Justin Turner and all of a sudden hit 25 home runs. But uh, his injuries do tend to uh, be freakish. A lot have to do with him being able to get to a ball that a lot of other players can't. I think he's still an elite defender. I do think it's a little dangerous going with him in center field if you decide to go with a Maldonado up the middle. If I had my druthers and you go back to what I said earlier regarding the up-the-middle defense, you have Iglesias at short if you were able to trade Rosario for Rosario for Real Muto, Real Muto behind the plate, and then I may go at Lagares center field. I'm very big on up-the-middle defense. I think it makes a big difference. Uh, so, you know, look, Pollock's looking for $80 million contract. I'm assuming that's over, what, five years, four years, 20, 40, 60, about $20 million a year. If it's over five, you know, it goes down a little bit, uh, you know, about $15, $16 million. Uh, I got some issues giving him a long-term deal. I wonder how the industry is going to view him in terms of did they go the Lorenzo Cain route? Uh, does he get dinged a little bit because of his of his health? Uh, I think it's um, I think it's a tough call. If you really want to dial into the advanced metrics, and I don't like to do that because it doesn't tell you everything, and I haven't seen Pollock enough day in and day out to know everything about him. He's got pomp. He certainly could steal the base. You know, he had a season where he stole 39 bases. Uh, he could hit for average. He could hit for power. His defense doesn't seem poor. It doesn't seem at the level from advanced metrics as Lagaris. And then maybe what you do is if you do bring in Pollock, and you keep Rosario and you go Maldonado up the middle, now you're you're feeling a little bit better about the offense. See, if you bring in Maldonado behind the plate, which I'm all for, 
you do have to be much more careful about what you do in center because you need a little bit more certainty. Now, if you bring in Pollock, can you keep Ligaris as a fourth outfielder and a righty guy off the bench uh, to be able to spell a couple of lefties? And a guy who's already been on the bench that, you know, when Cespedes comes back, that complicates things because somebody's got to go to the bench, and it's probably not going to be Pollock, and it may be Nimmo. Uh, it may be Cespedes just playing, you know, a couple times a week. You may not be able to play every day, but that's a good problem to have, and it's not a problem that you build your team around because you don't know if and when Cespedes is coming back. But over the course of the last since 2014, on average, you know, Ligaris is probably only about one win less than Pollock over the course of a season. It's not as big as you think. Now, if you get 2015 Pollock, different situation. Now you got a guy that's in the same pantheon as Nimmo. Is that the guy you're going to sign to a four- or five-year deal? It's a risk. I mean, Pollock right now and Ligaris is certainly something because if you get the injured Pollock, then you know, you're going to say to yourself midseason, especially if Ligaris is playing well off the bench or you get rid of Ligaris and he goes somewhere else, plays every day, plays elite defense, doesn't hit too bad. You say, yeah, I could have had – I got this guy now for the next you know five years or four years. And uh, he he's not exactly what I thought I'd get. Um, it's certainly not as easy of a decision as one would think. I think it all depends on what you do behind the plate. If you get Real Muto, I think you could survive a little bit more with Lagaris in center field because the offense behind the plate makes up for it, especially if you have like an Iglesias. You're going to have to go that route if you trade Rosario in the deal. Now, if you trade Nimmo and you get Real Muto, now it's a whole different situation. Now you're opening up another hole, I think, where you're going to need an elite offensive player. And everyone says Bryce Harper. It just doesn't make sense. I know what you're saying. Well, I'm not bringing up Manny Machado with the whole shortstop situation. I mean, right now, just we've done the math. We've talked about this on the show before. It just doesn't make sense for the Mets to stay within the luxury tax and bring in somebody like Machado. And I said this. Uh, on the last podcast when I had Rich Catino on, I have a big issue with decade-long contracts, which is what Machado would get, which is what Harper would get. Um, I just have issue with that. I really do. So um, I, I would, just, I personally would stay away. I really would. I think you have to uh, build a team. It's not the NBA where one player will make that kind of difference. So interesting note as we wrap up. By the way, you got a couple of minutes left here, about five minutes left. The number is 646-716-8187. Again, 646-716-8187. Will Clark is actually up for uh, the Veterans Committee on the Hall of Fame. Uh, Guys like Will Clark, Joe Carter, George Steinbrenner, Davey Johnson, Lou Pinella, Oral Hershiser are some of the names out there. And at about 15, 20 minutes, they'll announce the Veterans Committee, I believe. I think it's today. Who they're going to elect to the Hall of Fame. And our buddy Kevin Kernan, who we haven't had on the show in a long time. Maybe we'll try to get him on at some point, um, see if he has time this week. Um, you know, stump for George. And I always say, look, if someone had a impact that transcends the game and changed the game, you should put them in the Hall of Fame. And Marvin Miller is that guy for the Players Association who has been shut out and who should be in. And George Steinbrenner on the flip side is that a guy as well. I mean, George Steinbrenner, um, if it w- every free agent who's getting big money right now should thank George Steinbrenner because during the 70s, 
when it still was passe to spend money, he was the first one to say, hey, you got to go out there. You got to spend money. But be that as that may, Will Clark is on this Veterans Committee ballot. And if Will Clark gets elected and he has a good offensive case, he if you look at Will Clark's numbers, he was a very elite offensive first baseman for a long time. Um, with San Francisco, went over to Texas, finished his career. If you remember, his last uh, series was uh, playing for the Cardinals uh, against the Mets in the 2000 NLCS, and he had a good series. He was a bit of a pain during that series. Will Clark gets elected into the Hall of Fame by the Veterans Committee. You almost have to reconsider and look at Keith Hernandez again as the Veterans Committee because Keith Hernandez is a better defensive player, very similar offensively, uh, played longer, um, you know, actually has uh, in totality a little bit better uh, wins above replacement than Clark. And, um, you know, it's funny how baseball has been hard on first baseman when you really look at the Hall of Fame. You know, I'm going to bring it up real quick right now. Uh, and by the way, if you want to call in, you've got a couple of minutes left here, 646-716-8187. You know, if you play... I'll just put in you know, 80% of your games at first base. You know, here's your Hall of Famers. You're Lou Gehrig, you're Jimmy Fox, Cap Anson, Jeff Bagwell, Hank Greenberg, Bill Terry. Um, you know, those are your Hall of Famers. You know, George Sizzler, uh, you know, Johnny Mize, uh, you know, bringing up the name. Now, if you, you put in you – know, those are the guys. Now, all, now I could do is bring up players along with the Hall of Famers that are in there. Uh, you know, Clark and Hernandez, they fall very much in line with guys like Greenberg, you know, John Olderud. You know, if Will Clark makes it, Will Clark gets elected in, it's hard when Fred McGriff doesn't get elected in, late, you know, later this year. Because all these guys are in the same kind of category. And I know it's hard because the way that we look at the Hall of Fame now you know, you probably have to go back and you could say, you know, there's a lot of guys back in the day that if you had the kind of knowledge now that you have, that you, then that you have now, you probably wouldn't elect them. Now, flip side is we haven't seen some of these guys. So the benefit is back in the you know 60s, a lot of these guys that got elected, there were writers around who saw them play. So we're just going by wind shares and incomplete data from a different era. But uh, I know there's always that line between the whole of very good and the Hall of Fame, uh, keep an eye if Will Clark gets elected tonight. And I don't think he will. I think – I don't know who is going to get elected. Certainly I wouldn't vote for Joe Carter. I think Steinbrenner might. Um, I don't think Hershiser will. Uh, I think Clark has a better chance than Carter. Um, you know, Luke Pinnell is up for it. I mean Albert Bell's on this ballot. He should be. He won't because he's just such a bad attitude, and that's – that stinks that people look at it that way, but I just don't know uh, because he was a guy that was surly and hasn't really changed much. I think he got into it MLB Network uh, regarding an Indian documentary that came out like a year ago. If you watch that, I think he had some negative comments to say about the Indians, and it's just like he can't let stuff go. He clocked Fernando Vigne in the base paths. I mean that whole morality part, which these – this Hall of Fame, these committees take into consideration, it's going to supersede the fact that he was an awesome hitter. That unfortunately, because of, a, of an injury, I think it was his hip, uh, wound up uh, retiring probably uh, three to four, maybe five years sooner than he should have, and he would have put up easily 500 home runs 
would have probably been a shoe. It would have been hard not to vote for him, even with how horribly treated people in the media and things like that. So uh, look at that. See what happens. I think Steinbrenner gets in today. I think that that's where this is going to go. Um, I don't know about Pinella. I'm not sure Pinella. Davey Johnson's on it. It'd be very interesting because all these guys are kind of borderline. But, you know, to me, Will Clark was the one that if you're a Hernandez fan, that's the guy you want to take a look at. Hey, we're out of time. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed some of the calls that came in. Hope you enjoyed some of my commentary as we set up the winter meetings. I want to thank all you guys. I want to thank the good folks over at MetsamorizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll be back on Tuesday for another edition of the Salty Mets podcast during the winter meetings. Be well, everybody. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.